We're in chapter number 4. I want to get to verse number 13 tonight. Uh, if the Lord will help me, I want to finish up the series on how to study the Bible. And uh, I, I don't intend to take long tonight, but we all know how that goes. But uh, I do want to... I was going to just read verse number 13. That's what we've read the last... Uh, several messages in this, and it's been several weeks since we've um, spoke on this, but I want to read uh, the majority of chapter number 4. Uh, let's start in verse number 1. He says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. Watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing." Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but especially the parchments. Our Father, we ask you now that you would open up our eyes, allow us to see the, the mysteries of these words tonight. Lord, I realize we're in a study, Lord, but my heart is in a few phrases in these scriptures that we just read. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to mind the time, but I pray that you'd help us to be sensitive to the Spirit tonight. Lord, we pray you'll bless your people. Lord, we've got a lot of empty spaces tonight. Lord, we don't know where folks are, but I pray that you protect them. Lord, hedge about them and bring them back safely. Lord, but those of us that are here, I pray a special blessing. I pray that you would touch them, encourage them, challenge us tonight. Father, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Again, I, I want to I, I wanna get to this study. It is uh, number five, uh, how to study the Bible. And this is... Collaboration and motivation. Collaboration and motivation. Our text verse is verse number 13. But I just want to, to say a couple things before we get down to verse number 13. No, and if you've been in church for any period of time, you know that, that Timothy is, if I could say it like this, the preacher boy of the Apostle Paul. He is no longer a young man. He is, he, of course, he's younger than Paul, but he's no longer a young man. Uh, he himself is probably in his 40s, maybe even in his 50s. Uh, he's been preaching since he's been in his 20s, maybe his uh, 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 late 20s, early 30s. 
But he, Paul is now ready. He says, I'm ready to be offered. He's ready to leave. And so he gives these, he says the very second word in the, in the first verse, he gives him a charge. And he says, preach the word in verse number two. He says, be instant in season, out of season. He tells him how to do that. He says, in, in doing this, I want you to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. But he, he says, when you do this, do it with all long suffering and do it with doctrine. Or as brother Seamster would say, with doctrine. And so do it with, with long suffering, with godly patience, but do it in the right way. Make sure you're, you're doing this out of the Word of God. Somebody say amen right there. Uh, if you're gonna take a stand, make sure it's in the Word of God. Ain't no sense in taking a stand on man's Word, because man's Word's gonna fall. So make sure you're in the Word of God. Somebody help me right there. He says, now this is, this is where my, 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 my temporary thought is tonight. Kind of a, 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 a rabbit jumped up as I was reading. For the time will come when they, when they will not endure sound doctrine, it says, but after their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. This is the sad thought that is on my mind right now. Is This is not talking about, uh, if I quote unquote, a lost and dying world. Right. He's talking about people that have, that have grown up in the way, yeah. they know what's right, they know the doctrine... They know about the love of God. They know about the... They, they have experienced Christ. And Paul's charging Timothy, watch, pray, preach, do this because there is coming a time. Can I tell you tonight that I don't know that we could sit here tonight, Brother David, and say there is coming a time. I believe there is a time. We are in... This time, and it could be that we've been in this time now for, for decades, and maybe even decades to come, depending on the timetable of God, when He's going to send His Son. But He says that they, they, uh, they shall, where are we at? Verse number three. He says, but after their own lusts, they shall heave to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables, unto fairy tales. Probably one of the earliest fairy tales I remember is, and I about forgot it now, but Mother Goose. Mother Goose. Wasn't it her that lived in a... Didn't she live in a boot or something? Other? Am I getting them all getting them all confused? But whoever lived in a boot, now Mother Goose and the golden egg and the and the pea. Lori's playing some about the princess and the pea and all these other. And there's so many people that would be willing to accept those things as truth than the fact that God raised Lazarus from the dead. Or that God delivered Israel out of Egypt and how that they crossed the Red Sea and how they crossed the Jordan and how that Elisha picked up Elijah's mantle after Elijah was carried off into heaven. They would just assume, believe the fairy tales that we make up. And, and I don't want to cause any problems, but they just assume believe about the tooth fairy and the Easter bunny and Santa Claus as they would about a loving Savior coming to die for all men's sin. And that's the day that we live in. 
And Paul is warning Timothy, and thereby he's warning you and I that the day is coming. And I say today that this day has come. He says, but watch thou in all things, endure affliction, do the work of evangelists, make full proof of thy ministries that I'm ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. Fought a good fight, finished my course. He says, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He says, do thy diligence to come unto me. Then he mentions Demas. This is really the only negative here. He says, uh, do thy diligence to come to me. He says, Demas, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. And he's departed to, Galatia, uh, to Thessalonica. He says, Cretans has went to Galatia. Titus is working in Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. He says, now Timothy, I want you to take Mark. Now if you remember, this is John Mark. And if you remember early on in the ministry of Paul, it was Paul and Barnabas and John Mark. And John Mark was immature He did things that he shouldn't have done and ended up leaving Paul. And it made Paul mad. And Barnabas and Paul had a falling out. And Paul said, I'm not taking him on the next journey. So enter Silas. And so then it was Paul and Silas. And then we come into Timothy and then... Luke and then Titus and all of these other So he says now, after he's rejected Mark, Samuel, now he says, Timothy, I need you to bring John Mark. He says, I want you to bring Mark with you because he's profitable for me in the ministry. Can I just tell you, if you feel like you're unprofitable, you feel like you're failed, don't give up because God may turn this thing around and God may use you again. Amen, Brother Kurt. There's been a lot of times that I felt unprofitable in the ministry. But thanks be to God, not only has God not given up on me, but there's been some men (laughs) not give up on me. And I'm glad that God's used me again. Hallelujah. He says, and then Tychicus, he says, I've sent him to Ephesus. But now we come to verse number 13. He says, the cloak that I left at Troas, he says, "I I need you to bring that. He says, but bring the books but especially the parchment. So as we as we go through tonight's study, I want you to focus on bring the books, but especially the parchments, okay? So we're dealing with the collaboration and the motivation of study. First, we'll look at the collaboration in study. So uh, if I had a, 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 a subtitle for this point, it would be the tools of the trade. The, there's a warning of the tools, there is a danger of being dependent upon the tools. If we're not careful, whether in a public or a private setting, we will give our study tools more attention than we do our Bible. Yeah. If we're not careful, we'll get into our study and we'll read one verse to say verse number 13. And then we'll spend hours going through our books to figure out what verse number 13 says. Instead of going to verse number 13 and then going to God in prayer and then going, okay, let me look at this word and, and maybe going to a concordance and finding those words and going throughout the Bible. 
And I understand it. And I may mention this several times. I understand when you get into a passage that you truly don't understand, you may, you may have to read an entire chapter to understand a single verse. So I understand that. I'm not being critical of man's writings. I think it's necessary. But there is a danger in becoming or being dependent on these things. There's also a danger of being deceived. Study books are valuable, uh, but they need to be kept in their proper place. Uh, I was, uh, I, two things. I was watching a video the other day and they said in order to, to for a, a book collection, uh, to be categorized as a library, you have to have a thousand books. And, um, the books here and the books at the house, I think I'm well on my way. I've got about 700 at the house and um, I probably need to stop, but I've got to where I love books. And so I've got about 300 years, so I'm well on my way. Um, but, uh, and don't tell my wife because she's probably going to cut me off. But, uh, and I actually have some in a paper, in a plastic bag, Brother David, that I've yet to put on the shelf because I don't want to tip the scales. But, um, Kurt, I've seen your library. It's starting to get, it's on one, one, one bookshelf, but it's starting, when you get to where you're starting to put the baby in the living room instead of in his nursery, you've moved up. Come on. But if we're not careful, we'll be deceived by these books. What I mean by that is, one, they need to be kept in their proper place, but they are not inspired by God. The Bible is. They are not the final authority. The Bible is. And if we, if we get our primary source of truth out of these books instead of the book, then we are missing out on a tremendous resource. And I firmly believe that we're, we're doing ourselves and whether it's personal Bible study or teaching or preaching, we're doing ourselves as well as the people that we're trying to help a disservice. Our primary source of truth should be the Bible. Romans 3, 4 says, let God be true, but every man a liar. I have to go back to a study that we did months and months ago, back in, I think it was March, uh, February, March, when we're going through the fruit of the spirit. Now, I, I'm not I, I don't want this to sound like it's going to. I'm not bragging on myself. I still feel at, at at ill ease when I say this, but when we were going through the fruit of the spirit and we came to the word faith, I struggled for over a week in studying on that one thing because every book that I read defined it as a certain defined it a certain way, but in my spirit, I could not define it that way. And so I talked to several men and they said, well, I see where you're coming from, but I see this way as well, but you're just going to have to go with your heart. And so that's the way I felt comfortable with. That's the way I felt uh, that the Lord was leading me with. And it was against all of the other people. Sometimes when you're being led by the Spirit, no matter how many books you're reading, no matter how many men you consult with, they're going to go against the Lord. And so make sure that you're being led by the Spirit in His Word. The Scripture said, Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. Then we also see the danger of becoming another's disciple. Now I'm going to use... uh, um, a, uh, 
I don't even know what it's called. I'm going to use a word that uh, is probably not a real word. So y'all just write it down and, and move on. But Christians need to beware of becoming an ite. I-T-E. Now, I'm going to describe what I'm saying and then... And then I'm going to ask y'all if you know of any of these. So the the Israel the Israel, Israel were often called Israel what Israelites. We have the Canaan. Uh, these were the people of Canaan. Okay, so in modern times, um, what are some of these ites that in church language we might hear outside of the Bibles? Anybody have any? Proselytes, okay. Another one? Socialites. Socialites. Alright, so, so one that you will hear is a Ruckmanite. Alright, uh, it, it, it was Ruckman. He, he had some strange beliefs. And in those belief systems, the people that believed in his teachings are now called Ruckmanites, those were his disciples, if you will. So we we had there is a danger in in reading books and studying books. Now I'm not discouraging books. I'm trying to help you with it. There is a danger in becoming another's disciples. Okay, there there these people they are those that you accept everything they say without question. Preacher so and so said it. I believe it. That's it. Okay. So with that, most uh, most most preachers that I know are at some point in their ministry they're going to quote Charles Haddon Spurgeon. If they're not careful, they will become Spurgeonites. Okay. You've heard him on 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 the radio. Uh, what's his name? Um, uh, McGee. I, I can't remember his first name. J. Vernon McGee. They become McGeeites, alright? We all love James Langston. If we're not careful, we'll become Langstonites, okay? You, you'll become Burkeites. You'll become McNeeseites. God help us all. We'll all be running around and, 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 and acting like we got gout. All those type of things. So we, 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 we run the risk of becoming another's disciple. Now, this is not new. Paul had to deal with this old problem in the new church in, in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, Paul said, Now this I say that every one of you said, I am of Paul, I am of, of Apollos, I am of Cephas, I am of Christ. He says, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? He went on in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse number 4. For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another I am, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? So Paul was dealing with this and they were essentially Paulites, Apollosites, Christites, and so on and so forth. They were following the men that they were saved under. Though I was saved under the preacher of Phil kids. So uh, in that line of thinking, I would be a kidite. God help my ever-loving soul. But my <laughs> this sounds like a horror movie, but my my pastor was his last name was Munson, so I'd be a Munsonite. It sounds like the the people. Yeah. 
Monsters, yeah. So we have to be careful as we accept the writings and as we accept the preaching of people. If it does not line up with Scripture, we end up being deceived. So we see the, we see the warning of the tools. Now quickly let's look at the wisdom of the tools. Now God has given gifts to men and women, uh, for teaching. I, I feel like I do not have a gift of, of teaching. I, I'm so uncomfortable in teaching. I'd rather preach, and I'm not saying I have a gift of preaching, but I, I would rather be in that, I call it a gear. I'd rather be in the gear of preaching than I would of teaching. But God has given men uh, and, and women the gift of teaching, the gift of writing. He's given women uh, the gift of, of, uh, of being able to write and to pin down certain Certain things I've been uh, I don't have any that I know of, but I have been recommended certain books that are written based their their commentaries written by uh, I believe it was Gail Ripplinger uh, is the name and uh, this. This woman has written some tremendous commentary from the Word of God. And she doesn't claim to be a preacher or anything like that. God just impressed on her heart to write some things. And she's done a great job. Now again, I've never read anything, but some of the men that you know have read and absolutely love her writing. So there, there's nothing wrong with, with women writing these things. So uh, to, to put that down as a basis. But these are not just natural abilities, but I believe it's an enablement that comes from God so that they can produce in us a, a biblical narrative that we can understand. Now, if, if we read sometimes uh, Matthew Henry, Brother David, I know that you've read after Matthew Henry. It's hard for me to understand sometimes. Sometimes I can read a paragraph 20 times and still not grasp. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, same thing. Sometimes I read some of the things that he's written and I have to go back and read it or read one sentence at a time and try to rewrite it so I can understand. It's because of their language. Uh, R.A. Torrey, um, uh, Tozer, some of those men from, from back years ago that had a different way of speaking and it was, it was, it was, uh, what's the word? It, it had a, Flowery is, is the word that I would say that not necessarily wordy, but they used words that we don't necessarily use today. So a lot of times it's hard for us to understand. And so we read these things, but once we grasp what they're trying to say, it gives us a new understanding of what the scripture says. And so, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 11 and verse 28, But all these worketh that one and selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally or separately as he will. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. So God has placed some things in the church at its very beginnings, but right at the very beginning of the church, God put some apostles. These were those men that witnessed the resurrection of Christ so that they could begin to uncover the mysteries of the gospel. And they began to write for you and I. So, Wisdom in the tools. We see that God has gifted certain believers. We see that study resources produced by these men and these women, they give us an advantage 
of reading insights that others have gained through their own study. Let's look at it this way. We, we, uh, we have Sunday school teachers in, in here. And, you know, I would, I would love to be able to record all of our Sunday school classes and be able to compile them for, for years to come. I can remember before we moved down here, I think it was the, the seeds series, brother David, that you taught. And I remember that we were here and I went back to, to Knoxville and I was, I talked to everybody that I knew about those seeds. And I'm like, man, I wish I was down there to hear the rest of this. And because it was, it was so good. And I was just here that one Sunday. And, and I don't know, maybe he's still got those notes somewhere, but, but I'm the type of person, like, when it, when it intrigues me, I want to hear more about that. And the truth is, if y'all are Baptists like I believe you are, you probably have forgotten most of what he has said and what I preached and what Brother Dan has preached for 35 years. So Brother David, if you run out of something, just plow again and just do how many every weeks that was. And it'll be like fresh butter on a piece of bread. Everybody will enjoy it. Come on right there. And so, uh, they, they, when, when we do our studies, whether through the Word of God and we supplement with these books, it is something that, especially when we write it down, it's something that can help others in the future. Some tools, some worthy tools to have, and I've mentioned these, had a, had a table out there, but these are some tools that, that would be helpful and they come with instructions, is a good study Bible. Now, basic study Bible, I would always recommend, is the old Schofield study Bible. Now, most of you have a newer study Bible than I do, but I have some things in the back of mind that that chances are most of you do not have. Um, And some of you may have one even older than I that may have some some study helps that that I don't have. Um, but it contains study notes, definitions, the proper names, an index. It's got a, I don't even know what it's called. It's got a, a, a topical study of the Bible that you, you can go and you can look at like, here's the word purity. And then it almost gives you an outline. It says in what it consists and gives scriptures the means to purification, gives scriptures a gracious transformation, a pure religion, description of the word of God, the glorious vision of the purified. And so, uh, there are things within a, in a, a study Bible that will help you and help you growth. A Strong's Concordance. Now, I I recommended when we had those books, a Young's Concordance. Uh, It's a little bit different than a Strong's Concordance. And uh, if you want to know why I would recommend one over the other, I'll be happy to tell you uh, if you just want to ask. But uh, in those concordances, you're going to find usually the Greek and the Hebrew meanings. So you'll find the English word and then it will refer you to a number and then you go back and you find that number and it tells you what that English word means in the supposed Greek or Hebrew. At least it gives you close, but, uh, or gets you close. But I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you, you can get very, very close if you just find you a good old English dictionary. You'll get very, very close to what 
these words mean. So you don't have to go out and buy some great big book. And then there, there are different uh, websites, different uh, apps that you can get on uh, smartphone, things of that set. Uh, Blue Letter Bible, eSword, uh, those particular devices you could get. Now let's look quickly at uh, the motivation. This is number two, the motivation to study. Now, again, we're talking about the collaboration and the motivation. The collaboration to study or the tools of the trade. Now we look at the motivation to study. So now it's time to get to work. And in this, first, we see that we will face opposition because we are in a war or we're in warfare. So we'll face opposition. And in this, we'll face self-opposition. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. I was talking to a young lady of this church, and this is no bearing on her. I don't hold it against her. I know her heart. But she said something to this effect, I am a realist. And so some of the things that are preached, I don't think will ever happen. Now what she's talking about is those those illustrations. Sometimes as preachers and as teachers, we kind of give the extreme in an illustration. And, and, and I understand, I understand what she means by that. And, and that's not our intent to go to the extreme, but our intent is to, to illustrate a, an, an happening and so that it can prove a point of what could happen. And so, if we're not careful, we'll be such a realist that the whole time the preacher is preaching, or the whole time you're doing study, you're saying that can never happen. Or you're saying that, well, no, it's not really going to happen like that. Or you begin to look at it through, not the lens of faith, but through the lens of flesh. And if you're going to read your Bible, you may as well drop the lens of flesh and look solely through the lens of faith. Because it ain't going to make no sense that, again, a, a dead man rose again. It's not going to make any sense that one man dying 2,000 years ago can have any effect upon you. It makes no sense. Did you hear me? It makes no sense to our flesh. But when we look at the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection through the lens of faith, it makes all the sense in the world. Because you're looking at it not through, well, how this 2,000 years, I'm not related to Him, but through the, 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 through the lens of the faith, you see God. In the beginning, God. And then, John chapter number 1, in the beginning was the Word. And then, verse number 11 and verse number 12, the world received Him not. Then you see, Romans chapter 1, that Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You look through the, through the, through the annals of the scripture and you see that God had this point to look in Hebrews that says, before the foundations of the world, Christ was slain through the eyes of faith, through the lens of faith. You see that it does make sense because before you and I were ever a glimmer in anyone's eye, God saw us. But when we look at that statement alone, and that in the lens of faith, Miss Tanya, we're dumbfounded. No, that makes no sense. 
Because what we'll, what we'll do is we'll turn to science. And we'll try to explain everything that I just mentioned through science. And it's not going to work. Y'all still with me? So, so we're, we're, talking about, we're talking about the opposition that we'll face being a motivation to study. There is self-opposition. There is sin's oppression. Isaiah 59 verse number 2. He says, but your iniquities has separated between you and your God and your sins have hid His face from you. There's, there's multiple scriptures, even in the New Testament, that I could mention here about that fellowship being broken because of the sin that we commit. That is an oppression that we have on us. But I believe it's Brother David during during uh, Sunday school this morning read the scripture, and uh, it is uh, I believe it's First Corinthians, maybe Second Corinthians. He was talking about uh, that. Uh, there is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man, whereby he hath make a, made a way to escape. And I'm glad that Christ has made a way. How, how are we to escape? Through Christ. Satan's oppression. You do understand, and I feel like this has been said maybe by me, maybe by someone else, but the devil's first action in your Bible was to bring doubt against the Word of God. Whether to a believer or to an unbeliever, I wonder if that's one of the first weapons that he pulls out of his arsenal is doubting the Word of God. So there is Satan's oppression, sin's oppression, and then self-oppression. Next, we see that we should feel a sense of obligation because of God's blessings. I gotta go through these quickly. I only have one point left here. We should feel a sense of obligation because of God's blessings. <clears throat> I, I, I struggle with, with, with this statement because I don't want to, I don't want to do something out of obligation. I hope you understand what I mean by that. I don't want to serve God out of obligation. I, I want to serve God out of love, out of appreciation. Um, but, but we should feel a sense of obligation because of the blessings that God has given. So we first see that the Bible is available to us legally. There's multitudes of people for many years that, that, that have been and that are now being persecuted because they po- possess a Bible. I feel like it was here a missionary gave gave the story of um, them trying to pass out Bible pages. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was... I don't remember. But I remember them saying that, that they did not have enough Bibles to go around and so they, they could only tear out or maybe they only had Bible pages. And so they would tear out and they would... Essentially, Brother Kurt, they would give you... For, for illustration purposes, they would give you a page of the Bible and you would read it and you would give it to Lori. Lori would read it and Lori would give it to Brandon and so forth throughout the entire village until everybody read that. And they would give multiple pages out. And that's, they didn't have a Bible, they only had several pages of the Bible. But God spoke to them through those several pages of the Bible. But yet, how many of us 
pick up our Bibles throughout the week and read them. You see, we have a blessing of God that we have a Bible. I have many Bibles at the house. Most of them have a place in my office. I rarely touch them. Occasionally I'll bring a study Bible down to see what what maybe they have to say different about a subject. But Brother Jody, most of the time, this is the Bible that I'm going to be reading out of. But how many times do we, because of the blessing of the Bible, how many times do we pick up this Bible? So, for many years, people have been persecuted because they they possess a Bible. But the Bible is available to us in our own language. But do you realize that 4,000 of the over 6,000 languages have no Bible? Right now in, in Albania and in Uganda, they are trying to translate the Bibles into those languages because there's no King James Bible in those languages. And it is proving to be a task because the English words, there are no words in those languages. And so people, probably well-meaning, but they don't know how to, to say what they want to say the right way. They're, they're not necessarily attacking these translators, but they're, they're going about it the wrong way. They're questioning them because it's, it's not it, paralleled. It doesn't appear to be King James. Well, it can because there's no word. To, do you understand what I'm saying? So it's based on the King James, but if you were to try to translate it back into English, it'd be missing words because there are no words in those things. So, so I'm fine with it. They're getting, they're getting the right word of God and they're trying their best to share the gospel, but they don't have it in their own language. And these, our missionaries are trying their best to put the word of God into those people's hands that they care so much about. They care so much that they move their families from their home. And they, they've spent Easter's and Christmases and birthdays and anniversaries over there for years upon years. Not only is the Bible available to us legally, it's available to us liberally. In some countries where Bibles are permitted, there aren't enough copies for everyone who wants one. They can have a Bible, but they cannot get a Bible. And again... I think I counted, I have 14 or 15 Bibles. Some of you may have more than that. I don't have any of the expensive Bibles. I mean, you, some Bibles are two, three, five, eight hundred dollars I personally, now if you want to buy me one, that's fine. But I don't need a $500 Bible, okay? I, I don't. Again, if you want to buy me one, that's fine. I'm going to praise the Lord, hallelujah, and show it off. But it's probably going to stay in the box on the shelf. Okay? But there's a lot of folks that can have the Bible. But they cannot get a copy of it. But you and I have it readily available. In many places, Bibles are shared by believers. So that they can read each word briefly. You may have it a day. And they read all they can in that day. And then you share it. She reads it all she can in that day. Throughout the village. We can be optimistic. This is the next point. We can be optimistic 
when we follow good examples. We need to seek out people who know the Bible and ask them about their own study habits and try, this is important, try to put them into practice. I I have learned, I've probably learned more in the last two or three years about this than probably Kurt has learned. Because I've never had a preacher under me. Clearly he's never been a preacher until the last two or three years. But I've tried to pour into him things that weren't poured into me. Because though I had two wonderful pastors, I learned practically. I saw them from the pulpit. I saw them in ministry, but there were there were never times where I was in their home and they were saying, "This is what you do. This is how you study." So I had to learn uh, a different way. But so I tried to sit Kurt down and say, "This is what you do. This is how you outline. This is da la 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 la." Well, I found out, brother Kurt, and and you, I believe you can attest to this. Things that I do may not work for you. We've had that discussion. I would love for you to outline exactly how I outline. That way, when I look at yours and it's good, I can just take it and preach it and steal it from you. So that's why I say, talk to these people that know and that love the Bible. Find out their study habits and try to implement them in your own lives. It may not work for you. I know, Brother David, again, I go back to Brother David. He mentioned this morning getting up at around 3 o'clock and... And I think you said you'd go back to bed. You at least try to go back to bed. Some people get up at 3 o'clock and that's it. And then they, they get in their Bible at 3 o'clock. I battle my third and a half dream at 3 o'clock in the morning. Somebody come on. Now if the Lord says, alright biggin, it's time to get up. Then I'm just going to have to suck it up and get up. But I'm really going to struggle. I'm going to be like Jacob and say, Lord, just give me until daybreak or something. Some people get up early, 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 early in the morning. Some people don't get up until noon. Like Brother Jim, he don't get up until noon. And he takes a nap at three. I know I'm going to pay for that one. He writes my check, so. And some people wait and they study at night. I love Brother Dean to death. I couldn't do what Brother Dean does. I've, I've talked to Brother Dean, Brother Lee. I don't know if you ever talked to Brother Dean, but he's, he's like a vampire. He'll be up at two o'clock in the morning. He's up at four o'clock in the morning. He's up at midnight. He's up at six in the morning. He's up at four in the afternoon. He's every time I try to reach him, he's up. And I'm like, when does he talk? When does he sleep? I get emails when he checks out in, at the hotel. He'll check out at 1.37 in the morning. And he has to drive eight hours. What kind of jack leg? What? That don't make no sense. He just got out of church at 10.30. That's only 30 minutes. I don't know. You do the math. So every, every type of study is not going to work for everyone. But it's worth learning those types of study and trying to implement them. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Be ye, Paul said, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. If you find someone that follows Christ, and you try to follow them, 
what's going to happen is you're going to stop following them and start following Christ. That's what's going to happen. If you if you're following someone that's following Christ and you begin to follow that person, very soon your eyes will be averted from them and you will begin to follow Christ because their desire is not for you to follow them. Their desire is for you to follow him. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. He says, tell others. He says, you've got an example of me. You, you know my history. You know that I was in religion. You know that religion didn't work. You know that I was pretty much killing all of the believers, all of the Christians. You know that I got saved. You know I had that, that, uh, um, that experience on the road to Damascus. He said, you know, you've seen the change in my life. He said, you've heard the words that I've spoken. You've been with me. You've eaten with me. He's talking to the church of Philippi. He says, you've, you've been with me. You've, you've touched me. You've seen me. You understand who I am. You know my desires. He said, you've got an example. He says, now, follow me and tell others to follow me. But again, you can see this in Paul's life. His desire was for them to look to him, but eventually to look beyond him to see Christ. 